You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I have a feeling that you guys are going to absolutely love this episode with Leslie because she has so much knowledge to share. I learned so much during the span of this interview. It's such a privilege to talk to people that have really dedicated most of their, well, she dedicated all of her professional life to beauty and skincare. But I love when people just have deep expertise and knowledge because there's so much to learn. So I recorded with Leslie in L.A. actually the day of the iHeart Media Podcast Awards, which I didn't win, but it was so much fun being there. And it was really great to meet all of the other nominees in our category. So it was Best Fashion or Beauty Podcast and Forever 35. They won. The hosts are so lovely and I'm going to be doing an episode with them. And then I met the host of Fat Mascara, Jen. She is a co-host, but she's on maternity leave, so she wasn't there. But it was really cool to meet, you know, other beauty podcasters and just other podcasters in general. It was really eye-opening for me just talking to all of the other nominees and realizing most of them have producers um, and vast majority of people have co-hosts, kind of like an accountability partner. So me doing this on my own independently, I think I have more of an appreciation for what I do after realizing kind of how rare it is, if that makes sense. And it's also interesting because uh, Joe Rogan and Mark Maron, who are both not there, I started listening to their shows re- like years and years ago before I even started a podcast. And they kind of motivated and inspired me to get into podcasting and they're both just dudes that host their show. They usually record at home, always in person. That You guys know I'm really big on that. And independent. So if anything, the podcast awards just reaffirmed that I am on the right track. And honestly, I didn't go into it thinking that I was going to win. So I wasn't disappointed at all. But I did just walk away feeling good because I really am doing my best. I think about that quote from Gandhi, full effort is full victory. And I think that's so true. I think 2020, this is all about trying your best, giving it your all and feeling really good and proud of yourself once you've applied maximum effort for the things you want to achieve in life. It's really never about a destination. It's always the journey. It's a cliche, but I really do believe it to be true. And I'm having so much fun doing this show. Now, if I may be entirely superficial for a moment and just talk about my glam, because I thought it was really good. I did hire a makeup artist. Um, Her name was Bobby Riley. She was great. And I kind of briefed her on my preferred makeup look, which is like this dewy, bronzed, nude, 
brown look that I love doing. And we use the Kevin Aquan Glass Glow, of course, on my um, cheekbone. But she also used it on my brow bone, which was sort of different for me. And then for my eyeshadow, we did brown. And it wasn't a brown with any glitter or shimmer. But I did want it to have dimension. So we did kind of like a glossy brown eye. So she started with brown shadow, but then she went in with like a brown um, concealer, different brown concealers, richer brown colors than like my skin color. And it added all of this depth and dimension. We did a lash. You guys know I'm very on the fence about lashes, but first we weren't going to do a lash. And then I looked and I was like, you know what? This is it's a red carpet moment. I think we can do a lash. I'm in the beauty category. Let's go crazy. So we did a lash and I was really happy with that. And as for my dress, I did a very structured Vera Wang mini dress. It was black velvet with this kind of gorgeous deconstructed sleeve. It was like gothic glam. But because it was like a true mini dress, the legs were out. So I had been prepping my legs for honestly weeks in advance, dry brushing in the shower before I was showering, but then also using my sugar body scrub, which you guys know I swear by. It's so easy to make. I have a recipe at Naked Beauty Planet. Also, if you just search my hashtag Naked Beauty Recipe, you'll see all my recipes. I'll also link to it in the show notes, but I've been doing the brown sugar scrub. I've been dry brushing. I just really wanted to get my legs super smooth and no dead skin cells because I knew they were going to be on display. And I was very happy with how they looked in the photos. And then I just kept the jewelry pretty fun. I did these vintage Karl Lagerfeld pearl earrings. They were actually my mom. So I wore those, which was nice. And yeah, I felt good when I went onto the red carpet to do my like step and repeat walk. It's one of the photographers was like naked beauty. And I was like, yeah, that's the name of my podcast. And they were like in your brook. And I was like, yep, that's me. And I realized like the show name out of context, people are probably like, what the hell is this podcast about? But I went out there with full confidence and I just thought, what would Naomi do? What would Beyonce do? I opted for the two hands on the hips pose because I thought that would just make me look confident and it would force me to stand up straight. Honestly, practicing your poses in the mirror before like a big event or if you have to take a lot of pictures, it sounds like ridiculous, but I think it really helps. Like I got my full outfit and then I just looked in the mirror before we left the hotel and I just practiced a few poses. We went with um, one of my best friends, Amelia. She's been on this show before. She's amazing. And my husband, Umut. We all went over together and it was so great just to have their love and support. And they kind of just cheered me on and made me feel great the whole night and, and just meeting other podcasters. And also, wow, just realizing how much podcasts are taking off and how big podcasts are becoming. This was only the second annual podcast awards. But you can imagine this is going to become a bigger and bigger space and more and more people are going to have podcasts and be listening to podcasts. So I feel privileged to be a podcaster and I feel privileged that you guys all choose to listen to Naked Beauty. Thank you guys so much for your love and support. You're going to love this episode with Leslie. I'm telling you, like, get your pens and notepads ready because she's spitting a lot of knowledge. I'm going to change a lot of things about the way I do my makeup based on this episode. And she has some good tips for brides. So if you or anyone you know is getting married soon, you may want to send them this episode too. All right, let's get into it. Subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed. I always appreciate if you take the time to rate and review and enjoy. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, 
eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I'm here with Leslie Thornton. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on because I like talking to you all types of women about their approach to beauty, but you are someone who has dedicated pretty much your entire life to beauty. My entire life from childhood. From childhood to beauty. Yes. So I'm just like super excited to have you on because you've been on the makeup side, skincare, um, but also have experience as an esthetician, which I'm really interested in. So it's going to get really deep in terms of beauty talk. <laughs> I love this. Let's do it. So you grew up here in LA in Compton. Born and raised. What were your early experiences with beauty? My earliest memories I can probably remember was my grandmother was always out in the garden. So she allowed me to kind of like take the pots and pans from inside the house and go outside and make mud pies. And I started realizing all this good mud was so fun to play with and putting it on my face. Um, I think that was like my first time experiencing a natural beauty product. Wow. Is that why one of your facial um, products is called Face Soil? Skin Soil. Skin Soil? Yes, yeah. Oh my God, I love that. And it's a dry product. So it is a very earthy, granular, it's soft, but it's rice-based. So it's not harsh or irritating. Oh, I love that. When I was in Japan, I discovered so many rice-based beauty products. And I feel like we're not into that yet here in the U.S., I would agree. Not quite yet, but I think it's getting there. I think Tatcha has brought that from Japan. I think it's here, but I just don't think people get it. Yeah, I love Tatcha. They do good stuff. They do good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a clean skincare brand, but your roots are really in makeup. Yes. So my background is in makeup. I started as a makeup artist around 17 years old. I kind of knew in high school right away that I loved makeup. I remember making my dad take me to Home Depot to get a plastic toolkit. That was going to be my first makeup kit. (laughs) And from then I started just compiling, you know, inexpensive makeup that my parents would buy me or stuff that was left over from my mom's Mary Kay sales and making my own little kit. And it was probably prom time that I kind of realized this is like an entrepreneurial thing. Yeah. You know, I would be talking to girls in school and I'm like, who's going to do your makeup for prom? Oh, my God. That's so <laughs> smart, though. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't know, thinking you. And I was like, who's you? And they're like, you yeah, no, I thought I would come to your house. So fast forward, you know, my dad's like knocking my bedroom door and he's like, hey, there's girls outside. Oh, my God. And I'm like. Yeah. He's like, they said they're here to get their makeup and hair done. I'm like, yeah, they are. How much did you charge? I think I charged $30 or something like that for makeup and hair. Very fair. Yeah. So my dad is in the kind of like our kitchen dining room was combined and he was watching the football game. And I would be sitting there in the kitchen doing their hair and their makeup while my dad's watching the football game. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so what were like the hair and makeup looks that you were doing back then? What was popular? What was what were like the requested oh looks? Oh my god, the twisties with the butterfly clips, twist oh butterfly clip, and then it was like maybe mostly updos. That was a big thing for yes. prom was updos, but then a lot of twist 
So I think I'd twist the hair first and then kind of put it in a ponytail in the back and fluff it out. Love it. And I kind of love butterfly clips to this day. I feel like they're really cute. So, but you knew basically by the time you graduated high school that you wanted to work in beauty. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was absolutely no doubt. My parents made me go to school. They're like, okay, well, you still got to go to like figure something out because you can't just go around doing people's makeup for prom for for a living. And I will say they didn't actually think there was any living in in, um, makeup. So I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising and I studied beauty product development. Okay. With, um, I went back and also studied visual communication. So I really love the visual arts and beauty altogether. But when I was attending college in order to kind of pay for some of my books and supplies, I got a job working at the Estee Lauder counter. And I was walking through sort of cutting through the Macy's to get on the subway and a lady recruited me. She's like, do you want to work here? I'm like, yes, I want to work here. How do you know I want to work here? And and finally, one day this woman said, you walk through here all the time. You always have your makeup done. Are you interested in working at the counter? And I'm like, absolutely, I am. I've wow. been waiting for you to recruit me. <laughs> <laughs> and so you started working at the makeup counter. Was it different from doing your friend's makeup? Yeah, it was because it was a completely different demographic. It was Estee Lauder. So it was a much more mature woman that was coming there. Yeah. And those women were seasoned. They they were loyal Estee Lauder followers. So they had, you know, they were using the products for years. So I was kind of new to it. So this young, very young, vivacious black girl there telling them about beauty. But they were kind of giving me like an education. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And isn't that I feel like one of the things I love so much about beauty is how you get to know people. Yeah. Like you're not just doing their makeup, you're kind of hearing their life story as well. I would agree fully. Yeah, I love that. So fast forward, you have this whole career in like television makeup, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. What's that like? I personally didn't like it because I was on camera and I'm very, un- I, I, I think it destroyed some part of my self-esteem. I didn't mm-hmm. like seeing myself on TV. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the long days, 18, 16 hour days. And you're always having to be put together. You're always yeah. having to be put together. I'd. I only want to get put together when I have to. I don't want to like, you know, be put together for 18 hours. Right. I'm at four to five hours, wash it off and kind of be done. And what was it? It was a TLC show. Yeah, it was a TLC show. What was the premise of the show? It was weddings. It was all based on uh, like a traveling wedding bus and it would come to your city, it would set up and then they would do kind of like a big um, trade show kind of thing. Okay. There was all these different vendors. And then I was the beauty expert and there was a hair expert. So I was skin and makeup expert. Okay. And then there was a hair guy. And then there was Randy Finoli, who became, um, I think he works at Kleinfeld still, but he became the kind of breakout star from Say Yes to the Dress. Yes, of course. So they gave him his own show at the time. Got it. Yeah. What was it like working with bride? I feel like bridal makeup is such a genre of makeup and there's almost like an unnecessary amount of pressure put on wedding makeup because they're like, it's the most important day of your life. Your wedding has to be perfect. But what was it like for you to be the beauty expert in that very kind of like sensitive time? I like it. I really like it. I love to lift people's confidence and make them feel really good. But I also think my take on it is very early on that I realized this is, yeah, it's the most important day of your life, but you should also look as much like yourself as possible. Yes. You know, so I love that. I actually loved wedding makeup. But what transitioned me at the time, I was already an esthetician. Yeah. When I was doing the show, I'd already been licensed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But I had just chosen to do the show because there was, I don't know, 300 people they interviewed for the show and they picked me. So I'm like, I'll just do the show instead of, you know, working on my clientele. Yeah. So I came in with the skincare expertise and the makeup. Okay. But I think when I finished the show, I realized, you know, I didn't have the products I needed on the show mm. to even prep skin. I didn't know what products to tell the brides to use. Mm-hmm. And I was building a business really based on a one-time event. Yes. And you you would work your ass off to build a clientele. 
and it would be a one-time event. And that was like, this is no way that is this smart. This is not a smart business. Right. It's, it's passion and I love it, but it's not smart. Yeah. So I realized, you know, I think I'm really going to focus on using, utilizing my my education as, as an esthetician and move into products, creating some products for my clients. And that was just one or two things. And then it kind of just rolled out from there. From there. Because great makeup is fabulous. And I love makeup. And I actually want to talk to you about makeup because I love makeup. But I feel like good makeup, you still need to have good skin. Like that's the base. That's the, there's only so much makeup can do. Yeah. Well, makeup is great, but it's not like foundation to me is skincare, not foundation. Like yes. foundation is color, you know, exactly. that's fine. But so I always say like color, like you want to add color to the skin, that's fine. But the real foundation is your skincare and your routine. Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of bridal makeup, you said you want to look like yourself. Can you say more about that? Because one of the things I remember when I was kind of going through different makeup artists for my wedding, I was like, I want to be able to see my skin. Like I kept kind of explaining that. And I got married in Italy and I used like a local artist and they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, I want like my skin to show. Because when I look back at pictures, I don't want to seem like there's like a mask. So people are getting their makeup done for a really big event. What are like the kind of cues or tips you think people should ask for so that they still look like the best version of themselves and not like someone totally different? Well, I think before you ask anything, you should bring your own skincare. You should bring the products that you love. Makeup artist is going to come with a kit and probably a team. So she's going to have all this stuff. The thing that makes you look like yourself is the products that you're using already. Yes. Okay. So if you show up with a new foundation or a new concealer and it's two times lighter, you're not going to look like yourself. So bring your own stuff. Okay. That's and, what I've done. As you know, I have my red carpet event later <laughs> yes. today. I like, I've already told the makeup artist, I'm like, I have all of my own products yeah. ready. And I was just going to do like a face mask before. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like a serum. But yeah. do you recommend like prepping your own skin before or letting the makeup artist do that? I think, again, if you have your own skincare and your own makeup, you can make that decision there. If you don't bring anything and you only rely on what they have, you may not look like yourself because it's not the foundation that your family, your husband or whoever else is used to seeing you in. Right? Yeah, that's a great point. So there a lot of makeup artists are like high definition or this is great for photos, but it's not going to look like you. It's not going to look like your skin because right. you maybe wear, I don't know a tinted moisturizer every single day. Yeah. So I think bringing your own stuff and having the option is first and foremost. Yep. And with any kind of wedding, a trial is... Yes. Get, <laughs> please do a trial. A test first. A test first, yes. Yeah. And even if it's a local makeup artist, I think sending photos and now with video, we can just do some FaceTiming, that kind of thing as well may, might even be good advice. But I think to look like yourself, especially if you want to see your skin... To tell your makeup artist to start in the center of the face. Ah. Start down the nose, the bridge, the forehead, and work her way out. Tell her, please do not start on the sides of my face because we can sheer outward. But the middle of the face is really where we want to focus on. Oh, that's so interesting. And what order do you do makeup? Because, you know, YouTube now, people are doing things in all the the orders in the world. And I'm like, wait, people do eyebrows first now? People do. Like, I do concealer first and then foundation and then I kind of do everything else. What order do you like doing? Well, I think it depends on the foundation you're wearing. If it is a full coverage foundation, you might go in and conceal last because the foundation is really covered more than than you you don't really need to go and conceal. So you do a little bit of concealer. But if your foundation is very sheer, say it's a tinted moisturizer, you might want to conceal first and then put your foundation. Okay. I think it also depends on the type of product that's used. Yeah. Um, if you're using like a, a pan or a cake, found a very thick cream foundation, you may not even need concealer. Yeah. And I don't actually use tinted moisturizer. What are some tinted moisturizers that you like? Okay. So everyone hates this foundation, but I love it. It's the MAC Face and Body Foundation. Okay. Why does everyone hate it? 
Well, everyone hates MAC foundations. I just, I don't, I've never really <laughs> found anyone that's like, I love a MAC foundation, but I love face and body. And okay. it usually has an SPF 15 or a 20 with it. It's very, very sheer. It's very sheer. It's like putting on water. It's the sheerest foundation they make. Really? And it's kind of the OG old foundation. I think it's the original formula. It might be one because it's not so popular that hasn't been changed. Ah, I see. So I think they've changed Studio Fix. I think they've changed the Studio Tech and they've gone through all these different ones. But because this one isn't super popular, I don't think it's been messed with. I see. Oh, also, and other stories is one of my favorite foundations. Really? Yeah. Wow. I would never think that like they would be a go-to for beauty, even though they do have great nail polish colors. Yeah, they do. They have a great foundation. It's nice and sheer. And I sometimes just like to take a really nice moisturizer and just mix it with a little color. And that can kind of be your tinted moisturizer. That can be your tinted moisturizer. I mean, it's already the moisturizer you're using and your skin recognizes that already. So you're you're going to run into less issue with irritation. That's so interesting. Are you a big primer believer? No, I don't like primer. Really? No. Okay, tell me why. I feel like when you were saying you want to see the skin show through, I think primer is just another sort of protector of the skin. Mm. I want to see a foundation lay on top of the skin and kind of shine through as well. Okay. So I feel like primer, blur, and, and it's great if you like that, if you like a blurred look, but I don't like excessive ingredients on the skin. I don't see mm. any reason to put like a whole bunch of silicone on and then put your foundation. If you find a proper moisturizer and foundation, you'll be fine. I like the skin to be able to, again, oxidize throughout the day and get that glow. Okay. With a primer, I feel like you block that oxidation process. Okay. You know so much. I'm like asking you all the questions. Let's do it. <laughs> setting powder. Do you believe in setting powder and like the setting sprays? I don't like setting sprays. I don't okay. like the idea of um, a lot of the setting sprays contain alcohols in them. They do. And yes. I don't like that. So okay. I don't do any setting spray. I will do a rose water or just even just a light mist, a caudalie grape, you know, mist. That's fine for me. I don't like the look of anything that's been set in that the skin didn't naturally set in. So I'm all about like foundation two hours in, three hours in, the way it looks. Oh, wow. Okay. You have me just rethinking my whole beauty routine. And then, but do you believe in powder to set the makeup? Yeah, I love okay. powder. I, I like Laura Mercier's translucent powder. I think she yeah. knocks it out the box with those. They're amazing. I don't think you need a whole lot. And the good thing about those, they're so versatile that you can u apply them with even a moist beauty blender. Yes, I, like. I know. I just learned, I learned that recently that you can apply the translucent powder with a beauty blender and it's been a game changer it's a game changer it is i like that and also obviously with a fluffy brush yes and also not using too much because i was using i was setting my under eye concealer with powder but i was using too much and it was creasing really badly throughout the day so grab a little bit of toilet paper and dust it off before you put it on yeah so people like a lot of people hit their brushes or tap their brushes on things that eventually will break down the brush on the inside because there's oh. a little glue inside that keeps the all those little fibers together. So I don't do any tapping unless it's just kind of in the air or I shake it off on a like toilet paper or on the bathroom or just a tissue. Fascinating. I've just learned so much and I just feel like I need to rehaul <laughs> the way that I do makeup. So, okay, my red carpet starts at six o'clock today. I'm getting my makeup done at three o'clock, which I guess is good because it means I'll have it'll have time to be oxidized to oxidize. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to oxidation, your concealer and your, like when you're mixing different brands, right? Like let's say you're using a MAC foundation and then you're using a Fenty concealer and then do those oxidize in different ways and then maybe they'll show, they'll look different. Like is it bad to mix too many brands because they may oxidize differently? I don't think they'll necessarily oxidize differently if you don't have a primer on. So if it's all on the skin, your skin's going to push the oils through. The heat from your body temperature is going to warm the product up. Okay. If you have a primer on, that could actually affect how they do oxidize because you're interfering with the process of the foundation and the concealer directly on your skin. Interesting. And do you find that 
I think that for a lot of women of color, we need to use several different shades throughout our face. Like I feel like around my mouth, I have darkness. So then I use a different color for that. And then I sometimes use a color corrector if I'm like really, really doing my makeup. But that's I'm like not as good about that as I should be. But do you find that for most women, it's good to use several different shades throughout your face? I mean, I guess it depends on how much time you have. (laughs) Yeah, true. Number one is how much time you have to, you know, go through several different shades. Finding a shade that's as close to your neck is going to be your best bet because it's going okay. to go from up and you're not going to try to match all these different areas. Okay, so you should be matching to your neck. Your neck. If you match to your neck, you usually won't have any problem. Okay. It might be a little darker or a little lighter, but for the most part, in our skin tones, um, darker women are going to have a darker neck. Mm-hmm. We usually have a darker neck because, especially if we wear sunblock, our neck is going to get darker. We put sunblock on our face, but not on our neck. Usually. I know. So I, know. I don't find myself working my sunblock down my neck, as I, sh- I should. Right. But I... I I don't. I feel like I've been better about the sunscreen on the neck, but yeah, probably not as diligent as yeah, I am about my face. We do take advantage of, of um, aging very well, per se. Yes. So, melanin, <laughs> melanin does age well. Does well. I don't think we are diligent because I think we take, take you know, we're like, we have this natural sunscreen. So. Oh, well, and, and for so long, I feel like there was this myth that black women didn't need to wear sunscreen, right? Absolutely. I get sunspots in the summer, like, crazy. Oh, yeah. I, de- I can see when my skin like literally ages in the summer if I'm not good about sunscreen. I mean, melanin is obviously going to reduce some of the penetration of the UV mm-hmm. rays, but it does not mean that you're not going to get hyperpigmentation. You may not age, but right. you, you, you can still get hyperpigmentation and you can still um, even get some hypopigmentation with, or lighter spots on the skin. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you also grew up in a mostly Asian community, predominantly yes. Asian community. So after the riots, my parents wanted to move out of L.A., out of Compton. OK. And, and give people a little bit of history about the L.A. riots, because I feel like people may not know. So this is in the early 90s. Okay. Um, at the time, there is the Rodney King beatings. Yes. And because of the video, and this is actually one of the first times we actually see something like this captured on home video. You imagine right. now. So um, police brutality, uh, yeah. it was like kind of this thing that obviously I feel like gangster rap was on the rise. And I feel like people of color had been talking like the police are literally beating us. But people saw that video of Rodney King and they were like, oh, wow, like, this is the first time we've seen it. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you guys were really telling the truth this whole time. And yeah. everyone's probably like, yep, this is what we've been living with. Yeah. And you think about it. A lot of the things that we've gone through and a lot of this terrorism we've experienced as a people has never been captured, mm. was not really um, not on video. There's, mm. you know, a few images, but there's not a real video at this point where you can yeah. truly see that someone is being killed by yeah. civil officers. Right. So at the time, you know, the, the I guess the jury yeah. did not convict the officers which was the cause of the riots. And um, they kind of happened little by little over a, a course of a few days. So I think they started in South Central. Okay. And that wasn't where we were. We were in Compton and slowly it kind of like went to pockets okay. of LA. And how old were you at this time? Oh, God, I must have been 11 or 10, 10 or okay. 11. So did you like know what was going on? I, I think I understood. Yeah. I mean, I knew that people in my neighborhood were mad. I knew yeah. that, you know, um, you would watch the news and people would be interviewed. So you could understand. And there's tension. Uh, no matter how young you are, you can understand there's tension in your family. There's tension in your neighborhood. There's tension when you go to the grocery store. A lot of the retailers are closing up the windows, boarding up the windows and things like that. They don't want their businesses to get looted. Now the city's on fire, essentially, because all these places are being burned down. And my parents, once things kind of cool down, I think my parents just realized this is not going to, this isn't going to work. So at this time, I'm actually going to school in Beverly Hills. 
because my mom is a school nurse for the Beverly Hills Unified School District. And so I got a permit to go to school in Beverly Hills by day. And then at night we live in Compton. Oh, wow. So that's like a pretty dramatic shift in terms of like switching, I guess, between two very different environments, demographics. Absolutely. Yeah, it was totally different. Yeah, at school, there were, you know, Jackson's kids, Jermaine Jackson's kids, (laughs) you know, and their parents are picking them up and a Rolls Royce or playing money in a thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But even Beverly Johnson, her daughter was going to school. Her her name is Anansa Lewis, and she was going to school with us. And, you know, they had a very privileged life. So we kept a very good balance of what the real world was for us and then what life could look like if you worked really hard. So that was a huge cultural shift. Yeah. And probably very like formative in terms of your like just the way that you think about everything. Yeah, absolutely. It really shaped my world. I mean, after that. So I think this is about fifth grade. My parents decided, okay, we need to like we can't be doing this juggling. So my mom didn't uh, no longer work for the Beverly Hills Unified School District. And at that point, we moved to um, Roland Heights or Diamond Bar, which is, I mean, my graduating class was 90% Asian. Okay. So that was a complete cultural shift because even just the neighborhood didn't even look the same beyond the people, but just the stores. Like everything in the neighborhood was in either Korean or Chinese or Japanese, and you could not even read anything. Yeah. So that was a huge shift. And that was the first time I'd actually been into the Korean grocery stores with all the Korean beauty products. Ah. I couldn't read anything, so I never really got to try anything. Yeah. But I was fascinated by all the all these cool things. And there was so much diversity as far as um, like in the the neighborhood we were in. Mm-hmm. But the whole entire community was mostly Asian. But we lived on a block where there was an Asian neighbor across the street and the nest is a black family and a Latino family on the mm. corner. So in our little pocket, we had a lot of diversity. But on the outside, it was predominantly mixed Asian. Yes. And I think I read that you were like pressing like lots of Asian girls hair. Yeah, I didn't know what else to use. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. There was no plug in flat irons. Yeah. There was no plug in curling irons. It was all stove. So I knew how to use a Marcel really easy. Like I could Marcel my own hair and put it on the stove. Amazing. Tap it on my back my hand, make sure it wasn't too hot. Yes. And I would just do their hair like that. I'm like, I don't have a plug-in flat iron. I don't think there was a, not yet. I think there was plug-in curling irons, but no plug-in flat irons yet. So interesting. So interesting. Okay. So you've established yourself in kind of the TV makeup space, but you realize that you want something for your clients to kind of like take care of their skin in between these big makeup moments. So when do you start developing your skincare line, which was it always called Chlor? It was called Chlor Skin. Chlor Skin. And that was actually my studio was called Chlor Skin Aesthetics. Okay. So I just dropped everything and just called it Chlor. Okay. Before you started with the skincare products, did you start with just treating patients in terms of giving them facials and different treatments? Yep. So I started... Right out of esthetician school for several months, I worked with a dermatologist. It was a very interesting clinic because it wasn't like a chic dermatologist by any means. It was a low-income dermatologist where people who, who did not have the money to otherwise get acne treatments could work. Wow. So, okay. so people were coming in specifically for acne? Only acne. So that was what I, I specialized in for several years. And then I realized that a lot of my clients were getting older, so they were phasing out of acne, still dealing with it here moderately, but they were phasing out of having the acne phase. And then I realized how many acne treatments on the market were causing premature aging. Mm. So that is where kind of got me into moving into, I guess, from youth acne, teenage acne to adult acne to at the end of the life cycle, aging. Yes. What what was it that was in the anti-acne medication that was causing aging? Was it alcohol or... 
Probably it was a combination of that, but I would say the high percentages of benzoyl peroxide used in the cleansing process. So a lot of benzoyl peroxide washes were drying, dramatically drying, and they speed up the aging process by pulling all the excess oils and water out of the skin. So you do get this drying effect of your pimples, but as you get older, the ramifications for that are great because your skin doesn't really bounce back. It really doesn't have those oils anymore. Yeah, like it's basically been like sucked of all of that natural oil right. production. It's And it also kills all the bacteria. So all the good microflora on the skin has been killed because benzoyl peroxide also kills the bacteria. Interesting. So what did you learn from that experience about how to effectively treat acne? Well, number one, no acne should be dry. Like we shouldn't be treating it like drying anything. Nothing that's going to ever tighten the skin or cause irritation. Nothing where the pH is going to be thrown off too much. Okay. I also realized that a lot of people were using too many ingredients, too many products. Yes, too many I products. hear that all the time. My dermatologist always tells me, she's like, simplify, simplify, simplify. I realized that, you know, um, benzoyl peroxide cleansers were not appropriate. Even salicylic acid cleansers were not appropriate every day. You could use them every once in a while as an exfoliation process. But I really wanted to focus on gently treating the acne, gradually treating the acne, but most of all, reducing the inflammation that is causing the acne. Okay. And what's the most effective way to reduce that inflammation? What I do personally, um, number one, I'm not a nutritionist. I think it would probably be through diet, but I'm not a nutritionist. So I have to treat you topically because I don't really give out dietary right. advice. Right. So I use certain types of vitamin Cs that reduce the inflammation. Mm. And that's not L-ascorbic acid because that's LAA is our most common vitamin C that we're using on the market. But those types of vitamin Cs shift the acid mantle of the skin too far and can cause some irritation. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, the pH is very low, very, very low. It's very acidic. I see. So I use a vitamin C serum that has L-ascorbic acid in it. That's I think it's really 15 percent. Mm -hmm. You say that's safe? Oh, absolutely safe. Yeah. OK, mm -hmm. OK. And I think it's it's not too high and it's not too low. OK. Mm -hmm. Is it what percentage do you think gets a little bit too high? 30 percent. I think 20 percent has been clinically shown to be effective. I think 30 percent is just ridiculous. You don't really need it. Um, the 20 percent is great because 20 percent is not going to absorb. So based on the formulation, they know a lot of the chemists understand that that whole 20 percent won't absorb. So it might be 15 or 12 percent of that will actually absorb into the skin, maybe even 10 percent of that will absorb into the skin. I see. So and it also could be something I'm developing is two types of vitamin C in one products. So it's 10% of one and another 10% of the other, which makes a 20% vitamin C. Oh, interesting. And what's the difference between like whiteheads and blackheads or like hormonal acne? Do you treat all of those differently? Hormonal acne is obviously caused by, you know, fluctuations of hormones. So it's not just like menopause or anything else like that. It could actually be hormone changes caused from diet. Okay. And that's what I find happens with a lot of teenagers mm. is that the combination of just normal hormonal changes as they mature through puberty and dietary changes. So when we address acne, I, again, if you want to address it, I think all from the same place is inflammation. Okay. And I do that, like I said, through vitamin C or even niacinamide will help to reduce some of the inflammation. Yes. We have to get the skin balanced and hydrated before we can start stripping it away with all these extra harsh, irritating ingredients. Yeah. Retinol is a fantastic treatment for acne, but I don't suggest my clients get into retinol quite early on. I see. I'm like, let's just get a routine down, get a basic routine down that will get the skin to be placid mm. and yeah. not reactive, not irritating. I'm not actually focusing on the physical acne because the acne is just a symptom. Right. That's so interesting.
Well, normally I ask people their favorite beauty products, but because Chlor is such an amazing line and you have so many unique products, can I just ask you, you like your three favorite products from the line that you've developed and why you love them so much? It's going to be easily Gentle Matter. Okay. Talk talk Uh, to us about Gentle Matter. Gentle Matter is a daily hydrating moisture cleanser. It's a gel cleanser. Okay. It is super non-stripping, which I love. I developed in a travel size and a full size, which is great. When I launched it, I launched it in a travel size only. So when I started seeing people buy multiple... (laughs) You were like, okay, I need the full size. I need a full size. So I'd always gotten stuck with products that I didn't love. So you'll notice with Clur, the products will give you several sizes. I love that. Yeah. And I want to take my stuff with me. Yes, same. And especially with a cleanser, you cleanse your skin. It's going to sound crazy, but you cleanse your skin 25 to 30 times a week. You actually cleanse your skin more than you do any other part of your routine. That's such a great point. I think maybe people, at least for me, I feel like I haven't put as much emphasis on cleanser because it's on your skin for such a short amount of time. But I guess it really is creating the surface for all of the rest of your skincare. Well, it sets the pace. Mm-hmm. It sets the pace. It's the first thing you do, and it's a day and night. If you're cleansing your skin twice a day, morning and night, you're essentially setting the pace for everything else. If you're disrupting your acid mantle or you're breaking your barrier with your cleanser, if you're washing your face with baking soda, if you, you know, some people do. Yes. You're washing your face and you you break the acid mantle. You've na- essentially set your skin up for other issues, no matter what you're putting on, on top of it. It doesn't matter because you, the first step you use is disrupting your barrier. Right. So it's a gentle cleanser. It is a gentle cleanser and it helps to protect the integrity of skin. Great. Okay. My next favorite product is, it's probably everybody's favorite product right now. It's Elements of Comfort. It's actually a botanical body oil, but it seems to be the one thing that everyone absolutely loves. And I created that when I was in the facial treatment room doing clients as a decolletage oil because I do fragrance-free facials. Okay. So I don't have anything aromatic on the face. I don't really believe in anything fragrant on the face. So I wanted something that was stimulating and aromatic and smelled really good and felt really good. So I would just douse my clients in this beautiful blend of essential oils. Okay, you have to, we have to get into the ingredients because this is like where I get like nerd out because I love making my own body oils. What's like the base mode of the essential oils that are in it? So hemp seed, avocado, marjuka. hemp seed oil so much. It's I think that's the first ingredient is hemp seed oil. Avocado oil. So great. Pumpkin seed oil. Oh, pumpkin is, seed oil is like my fave. Okay. It's, ama- it's amazing. And Bulgarian rose Beautiful. Is, is our first in, um, essential oil. Uh, neroli. Love. Um, I believe there is some bull... Benzo resin, like okay. a little resin, give it a little musk. And there is lavender, French lavender, which is really lovely. Love. And it was just really this calming treatment for the decolletage. But my clients were like, can I actually yeah. buy some of that? Because it smells so good, especially when the steam would hit their decolletage. Yes. You know, because when you're getting a facial, the steam shouldn't actually hit your face. It should hit your chest and bounce to your face. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. So that was intended as sort of a aromatherapy aspect of the facial. And now I turned it into a product, Elements of Comfort, which is It seems to be everybody's favorite. I mean, I'm definitely going to order that because I make my own body oils at home, but I also love trying like all natural body oils with essential. Once you get into body oils and even like whipped shea butters, you can't like commercial lotion. It doesn't do it. You're just like, what? Is this water? What is this? It doesn't do it. I'm all for dousing my body in an oil. Yeah. It's just like anointing yourself. It is. It really is. Like the best experience. Okay. And your third favorite? And my third favorite is probably Stella Restoration. Okay. Because that is where I combined most of my expertise in one product. And that was the first product I made for my clients that was specifically for my clientele. That was women who were 25 plus phasing out of the acne phase and going into anti-aging. 
So it has vitamin A, retinol, vitamin B, niacinamide, vitamin C in the form of sodium ascorbyl phosphate, and vitamin F, linoleic acid. But it's all carried into the skin through a squalane rose hip base. I love squalane. Amazing ingredient and bioidentical. So our skin really recognizing that. And it has a little salicylic acid with tea tree to treat the acne as well. But it is a really fascinating combination of ingredients that we don't see on the market because a lot of these ingredients aren't commonly combined. Yeah. Which is fantastic. So we were able to put all that into one treatment and that's an overnight Corrective treatment, that is one of my favorites. I noticed a difference in redness, irritation, inflammation, zits, congestion. It kind of knocks out all, ticks all the boxes that you, you know, you kind of like, I want retinol, but I'm still using a little benzoyl peroxide. So that cut out all my clients Mm -hmm. using benzoyl peroxide, put that to shame. And now I'm able to introduce this really great whole vitamin in the form of vitamin A to the skin, niacinamide to reduce the redness and inflammation, and the sodium ascorbophosphate to brighten, lighten, and really address the overall evenness of evenness yeah. of the skin tone. Yeah. And so yeah, that's probably those are my three favorites. Oh my gosh. Well, I can see why it's it's really is like a clean, ethical skincare line. I'm really proud of that because I think especially founders as women of color, we don't really have those brands. I absolutely agree. And I love that your packaging is sustainable too. Yeah. So we were, everything was built around sustainability. It didn't come in as like a second thought. Right. It was everything we did was around sustainability. So I'm very proud of that because I don't think that um, we are playing in that sustainable eco space at all with our cosmetics. Right. And um, hopefully that will be recognized throughout because that was the intention. Yeah. Do you ever think about, because I feel like the biggest gap in the market for me is like a cosmetics line that's also clean. Makeup? Yeah. I've never thought about color. I mean, my background is makeup. Yeah, artistry, I but know. I feel like you're like perfectly poised to create that with your background. I've never really thought about it, but I know that I have a few friends who are working on cosmetics. I don't know if it's going to be in the clean genre, but cosmetics are hard because I wouldn't do it with less without like 42 shades. So you're essentially launching 42 products when you launch just a foundation. Right. After the Rihanna like effect, I'm like, I'm not coming in with seven shades or eight shades. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it be even eight shades of, you know, from brown to darkest. Like if I even skipped out on the ivory porcelain color, I just really feel like when Rihanna launched that line, she set a bar for all women of color. When you set something, you need to make a global brand, no matter how small you start. Absolutely. You have to include everyone because inclusivity is going to be taught by us. Yes, absolutely. We're going to be the ones who show people what inclusivity actually looks mm-hmm, like. Absolutely. So um, I don't think I would do a cosmetics line right now. Okay. Well, your skincare line is fabulous. So we Thank have Clora to enjoy now. And so normally I ask my guests like the biggest beauty mistakes they've made and how they've learned from them. But I also feel like you have this unique insight into other people making beauty mistakes and like coming to you even when you were, you know, treating people's faces as, as an esthetician. Like what are some like common mistakes that you see people making that you feel like you want listeners to just like avoid doing? Don't give in to the hype. Hypey okay. products, hypey ingredients, the latest, the greatest, this this new ingredient just hit the market. Tune out the noise. Yeah. Tune out the noise. What do you think about all the CBD skincare products? Does that feel like just overhyped? I hate it. <laughs> Guys, she just rolled her eyes so hard. <laughs> you're, you're just not even, you, you're, you don't believe in it. I just can't even, I can't. Okay. Is it because you think that just topically CBD can't do that much for the skin? I'm sure it can reduce some inflammation. Yeah. But... 
the quality has to be there. Yeah. There is so much more to this than just throwing a CBD lotion on the skin yeah, <laughs> that I, I, I can't even get into it. It's, yeah. It's overwhelming and it's going to water down the ingredient. It's going to water down the formulations. And I mean, it's it's in my Ralph's right now. Like it's oh in God, Ralph's, I know, it's you know, everywhere. So I couldn't care less for it. I like ingredients that are tried, true, proven I love exploring new ingredients, but I also like the combinations of ingredients are very important. Yes. So um, I focus on when we say sustainability, I am not using this rare botanical ingredient or this rare extract or you'll never see any Palo Santo in our line. Yes. You'll never see any bok choli is a great ingredient that is kind of hitting the market. Everyone's doing a bok choli retinol alternative. Why are we doing an alternative to vitamin A when vitamin A is the vitamin that our skin recognizes Mm. and processes it as its own? But in the bok choli is actually an endangered ingredient. It's a medicinal herb that's used in ceremonial, like tribal ceremonies. And I don't see any good reason to use it in skincare when we have a sustainable lab-made synthetic alternative that has been 65 years proven. So we don't really need that alternative. Right. Any other mistakes that you see people commonly making? You talked about people having too many steps in their skincare routine and kind of confusing their skin and breaking down the, um, what's it it called? The barrier. The The acid mantle. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. acid mantle. Yeah. A lot of YouTube influence. Yeah. I think you have to use your own judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, influencers are great because they get to try so many products. Yeah. But I think that the most important thing is use your own judgment. You you have the same ability to research as I do. Right. Yeah. So Google's for everybody. Yes. So look for the ingredients. Read the ingredient list. I yes. don't see a lot of people taking real time to read ingredient lists. I agree. And if there's something you're interested in, do the research. Yeah. What resources do you like for research? I like published dermatological articles. Oh, wow. You go deep. Okay. I'm not I'm not at that level yet. Oh, it's so easy. It's like actually it's really. Yeah. Yeah. It's super easy. You don't even have to. There's no books or anything. You just go online. It's all published online. So it's very easy. I think that's one of the number one things you can do is go into like the health articles because we're looking at a lot of science at that point where these things have been researched by the people who do this. Yes. It's not researched by a new YouTuber. You know. Right. Right. So and if something works for your skin and doesn't work for another person's skin, I think you need to keep an open mind, you know, that not everything's going to work on every single person. Totally, totally. In terms of just understanding like what your skin reacts well to, do you think it's just trial and error? Like, do you recommend people keep like a journal or a notebook? Like, how do you kind of learn what your skin likes and doesn't like? I think there is some trial and error. I yeah. think we're all going to experience yeah, that for I've, sure. Especially for me, because I do, I've done a lot of like DIY serums and yes. I have had horrible breakouts. Yeah. And and you'll definitely, especially if you're doing DIY. Yeah. I think, again, going back to tried and true ingredients, when we look at ingredients and you do a little bit of research, you're going to be able to understand that that ingredient in particular was researched over a body of people. We're talking mm-hmm. hundreds or hundreds of thousands of people. Right. So if you are trying, doing trial and, trial and error, do it with things that have more backing, more research mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. So what are some like safe ingredients that you feel like everyone should have incorporated into their skincare routine? Oh, I think for sure vitamin C. Yeah. And there are different types of vitamin C on the market now. There's about seven to nine different types of vitamin C. Wow. So I always say go with a safer, gentler version, which will have a higher pH versus a, an acidic pH. And that will actually help to balance the skin because generally it's a neutral pH in our skin really likes a neutral pH. We wash our face with water every single day. That's a neutral pH. Yeah. So when we introduce something highly acidic like vitamin C after washing our face, it kind of shifts the mantle again. We're shifting it to a very like acidic place. So it's going like skin is here in the middle. 
and alkaline is here and acidic is here. So we're kind of like, we want to stay in the middle place. I think vitamin C, vitamin E. Okay. I love vitamin E oil. Yeah. Vitamin E oil. Uh, I always people like the first bit of advice I say, do ACE, vitamin A, C, and E. Okay. Smart. Yeah. ACE. That's like kind of like my like basic advice. And are you one of these people that believes in filtering your water at home so you have soft water? I don't because we have water delivery from like Mountain Spring or something. Yes. So I don't do like in the shower, water I drink, obviously, but yes. in the shower, I don't. Actually, I don't even have a filter. Okay, neither do I. But some people are like... (laughs) But some people do. My girlfriend does because she's really struggling with brittle hair. Mm. So her water does really change her. But I don't find that it's done much for me. Okay. Final question. I ask all of my guests this. When do you feel most beautiful? Oh, my goodness. When I feel healthy. Mm. When I actually... I, I struggled so much with like sugar addiction and carb addiction that those things made me feel very sluggish and really terrible. So when my diet is on point and I feel really healthy, like actually just inside, I can feel I'm sleeping well. My cortisol levels are low. That's when I feel the most beautiful. I totally agree. Beauty from the inside out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for coming on the show and sharing like your wealth of knowledge with all of us. I feel like everyone's going to want to get all the Clora products. I'm definitely getting that body oil. Like I need that. Like I'm like going to order it today. I will drop links for everyone can get to know you better and like learn all about Clor in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 